Hello, hello, hey guys. Once again, welcome to the Warrior Monk podcast. Uh, it's been busy starting off the new year, whole bunch of stuff. Really excited to try to get you guys some content. Uh, this one was recorded a while ago. Bo Bricky, EOD Tech, awesome guy. He was awesome to uh, let me let me interview him, talk to him a little bit, give a little bit of his history and some of his time and the EOD realm and I did him a little bit of a disservice in this podcast I, I, I t- asked him to speak to his credentials and uh, he's he's a humble guy so I'll go ahead and throw it you at you guys he's 19 going on 20 years in the United States Air Force as a EOD explosive ordnance disposal technician the guy's got two purple hearts five bronze stars most recent one with valor he's deployed in, in support of, of soft soft forces Special Forces guys. Uh, he's, he's one of, in my opinion, one of the heroes of the global war in, on terror, with, without a doubt. Uh, in this lesson, in this uh, interview, he's going to give us some awesome lessons on resiliency. He talks about leadership. Uh, he's a father. He talks about some of the, some of the stuff that goes in, into being a good father, a good husband, things of that nature. Uh, lessons that he's learned from from experience, from his time of doing stuff right and wrong, and and giving you kind of his perspective on stuff. Uh, he's going to give us a little bit of, from his reading list, what he's been into lately, as well as uh, positive outlets for uh, resiliency, for for improving yourself, for dealing with the stresses in life, and um, talk a little bit to uh, what he'd like to see people uh, go ahead and reach out to and give back to if you're so inclined to give back to the EOD or SOF. Uh, individuals who've come back injured, hurt, maimed, or killed uh, to get back to them or their families from overseas. So without further ado, please uh, go ahead and take a listen and enjoy the interview with Massar and Bill Bricky. All right, Bo Bricky, welcome to the Warrior Monk podcast, my friend. Thank I you. appreciate you coming on, man. Um, Bo's a, a, I consider a good friend. He and I deployed uh, Africa together. Uh, he's a really awesome, awesome guy, and he's one of the first people I approached about about coming on and and, and talking. Uh, so he's gonna, I'm gonna let him go through his credentials a little bit, man. Tell me, tell me what you wanna what you wanna tell people about yourself as far as who you are. You're, you're an EOD guy. We'll, we'll start there. Well, yeah, I am an EOD guy. Uh, that's been my career path for the last 19 years now. I uh, came in the Air Force uh, straight out of high school in 1999. Went to EOD school. I think uh, four out of the 18 of us graduated, and I loved it ever since. Um, yeah, so with that, <laughs> uh, first deployment I had was 0203. Um, went to Qatar, and that was at the, uh, what we didn't know at the time, but it shortly there became, was the start of the Iraq War. Uh, so that was very interesting, uh, where we thought we were just going to sustain a base, and instead we end up being able to defuse some ordnance on fighter jets coming back from the war. That mm-hmm. you know they they weren't able to drop the ordnance, so we were mm-hmm. able to do that. So as a you know twenty year old kid, you know safe and ordnance on a multi million dollar aircraft uh, was completely different world. There <laughs> kind of tested uh, pretty big my training, responsibility. a lot of responsibility. And then from there, the war uh, progressed, and in 0506, I spent 220 some odd days in Iraq uh, for my first actual combat tour, 
and, uh, and we can talk about that later. Um, that followed with shortly after that in 07, I went to Baghdad, uh, and then in nine, moving into 10, I went to Basra, Iraq. Uh, 2011, went to Afghanistan, and then just last year, I went with you to Africa, which was amazing. Yeah, yeah, I, I bet Africa or where we were at was felt like a vacation after some of the other places you've gone, man. Yeah, please living in a marbled uh, yeah. mansion. Yeah, anyone who anyone who out there who's deployed to to West Africa to certain places will know what we're talking about. Yeah, um, yeah man. So that's awesome. You were uh, you were a pleasant surprise for me walking into uh, to that deployment because I was just expecting to be dealing with uh, the typical air crew and S function type persons. You know, my intel guy and my Mm -hmm. I was expecting a regular CE guy, so walking in there and, and having an EOD guy in-house in with me was, was awesome. So, And you were my workout buddy, man. We kept each other motivated in morning runs and trying to eat right while we were out there and trying to keep morale high with jokes. Uh, some of those guys have a have a stick up their butt. but Oh, well, yeah. I mean, the jokes was one thing, but really with that morale, was, I think key for us was finding other outlets and getting out of the house and understanding mm -hmm. You know that yeah you're deployed but we're we're safe at least i mean in my book from the stuff i've dealt with <laughs> yeah yeah. Uh, yeah it was fine it was hey let's go visit and learn the culture mm -hmm. for sure man for sure yeah that's awesome so how how have you seen uh like obviously things have changed but you've watched a lot of change things change with eod in general because of watching the whole process evolve uh, throughout your career field and stuff like that. So, what do you what do you see in the young the young guys coming in your career field? That's they're they're getting right off the bat. It's like different that like you kind of wish that you, as a young EOD guy, had like man, I wish they were handing feeding me that kind of knowledge or that kind of skill sets walking into it. I think the biggest change would be when I came in. Um, there was a lot of unknown from the recruiter to the uh, my. TI and basic training mm -hmm. as to what exactly I was getting into uh, because EOD wasn't really highlighted back then. Um, you know, I mean, we had the, the first Gulf War and then we had some guys in Kosovo, but no one really talked about that because the, the EOD function was, uh, was supportive to the base. Mm -hmm. And so as long as you had the right ASVAB scores and you were smart enough to make it through our school, you could become an EOD tech. And as the war progressed for us, we started realizing really quick that we needed to change some of the culture because now we're being tapped uh, on joint missions. We're working with our sister services. Yeah. I've been attached to Green Braves, the, the special Army Special Forces. I've worked with uh, Navy Special Warfare. I got attached to Mobi Unit 5, uh, a Navy team, when I was in Basra. Um, and to keep up with these guys and to properly affect the battlefield in a positive way, I mean, also so they want you to keep coming back, you got to be able to keep up, you know, mm -hmm. and you, and you got to know your thing. So uh, some big changes went through with, A, it was kind of the mentality where it was, hey, you call us and we'll come out to a problem and then we'll go back to our base. And so we had to change that mentality to where now we need to be a little more proactive. And we started getting pushed out to these forward elements. And now we're out there leading the fight, you know, safely getting or maneuvering through areas that are riddled with IEDs. 
Um, and then at the same time, the physical aspect came into it. We didn't have any physical requirements when we first came mm-hmm. in. So now if you look at the requirements, uh, in UD Ehrman has to take the, a pass test. Right, right. Right, which really it's, you have to run a sub 11 minute mile and a half, they have to do the push-ups, sit-ups, and, and pull-ups included. It's not that big of a change. It's not the pass test with a swim, but it's a requirement. You right. know, you can't hit the bare minimum Air Force standard. And there's also a, a more uh, psychological testing goes into that, right? Okay. To make sure you have the right mindset. Yeah, sure. You know, I, I have lots of friends, and I'm still very close uh, with several EOD techs who, as the war progressed and, and bad stuff happened, they didn't have the resilience to continue on mm-hmm. and they didn't have um oh, what am what, what am i looking for on this it was you know they were great ud techs but they they had to get out mm-hmm. right they, they'd done enough they'd seen enough they couldn't handle anymore so they had to get out and that's okay right we're humans we're not necessarily supposed to see people get blown apart in front of us right that's mm-hmm. not normal right you know but if we can already get that in the mind of these young guys you know that hey you're going to possibly see bad stuff you know but we can assess their mentality and see if they can handle that um you know from the get-go and then develop it you know maybe we'll have the guys that are going to go through stuff and continue that fight mm-hmm. you know through an entire career uh so that's a big change you know and in at the at the schoolhouse uh we have we have pictures and we have stories and of everything that my generation conducted. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so these guys, when they're going through school now, they're like, oh, man, look at these missions that these guys went on. And, and they see it from the get-go. Like, this isn't no joke. Like, right. There's a history and a legacy there for them to kind of Yes. So it's kind of, it's, it's more inspirational. Like, when I came in, yeah. I didn't really have anything inspirational to go after except for I want to defuse bombs and that's all I knew of the job mm-hmm. you know now these guys are like man I get to defuse bombs and I get to follow in the footsteps of these heroes mm-hmm. you know I mean RAFSC lost more men and women than any other career field in the Air Force you know through the OEF OIF right and I mean that's that's a legacy of heroism that these guys have to look up to now yeah, for sure, man. That's awesome. Thanks for giving some some feedback and input on that stuff, man. Because you're, uh, uh, I see your guys. They're they're right down the, the street from my shop, but I don't get to interact with them enough. So, getting to hear that that side of the story is awesome. So, um, yeah, one of the one of the things I wanted you to talk about, um, having you on was talking a little bit about resiliency. Like the whole the whole point of the Warrior Monk podcast, the the whole concept of the show moving forward is, um, you know, we we. This lifestyle that we live constantly going out the door constantly training for that for that that one percent of the time where you know it's it's hitting the, the proverbial fan uh and then coming back and trying to decompress trying to reintegrate trying to balance out our lives with family uh you know with whatever you've got going on with your, your personal life spiritually uh trying to try to fit in time for for your hobbies or you know the more more creative stuff other things that you do besides just training to to blow stuff up or or kill bad guys so um yeah i would just kind of want to know your like your mentality on that and 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 how you handle how you balance it and how you how you've kind of like grown and 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 learned from your experiences uh i tell you what i wish i could do it all over again with what i know now Mm. a about resilience and myself um i i did not have any of those tools you know when we stepped off in 05 and 
we saw some very horrible things and we can go into some of that if you want to but when i came off of that deployment um i had to fill out this worksheet you know did you see dead people you know did you see dead terrorists did you fire a weapon etc cetera, etc cetera. and and so I, I filled that out honestly and i was told like hey you need to go talk to mental health when you get back mm-hmm. and but during the time during that deployment like uh, the airman that was with me, when we experienced bad uh, situations, afterwards we never talked about it. Mm-hmm. We would Our decompression time uh, would be standing next to a burn barrel every night just gazing blindly into a fire. There was nothing there. We didn't talk, right? We didn't show emotion. We just stared. Yeah, you got to be a tough guy, right? Like, kids right. don't want to talk about it. And that's kind of, you know, how we're, we were raised. It was like, mm-hmm. oh, don't talk about it. And and there was this stigma that, you know, uh, mental health and this and that would affect your career. And it it's, still and can. It's still there. It, it still, still can. There. Well, the, stigma, there, the I mean. stigma's still there, but it still can affect certain things. Mm-hmm. Um, but 90% of the jobs out there, it's fine. As long as you're seeking the help, you know, and, and you're not crazy. The point is... We never talked about it, right? So when I get back to my home station and I and I go and I talk to this mental health professional, uh, bless her heart, um, she's probably 60 years old and had never dealt with a combat veteran before. Mm-hmm. So she asked me what happened during the deployment and let me speak freely for 45 minutes-ish, maybe an hour. I don't know. I kind of blacked out there, I feel like. But at the end of it, I was in tears because for the first time I was actually voicing what I saw and with my voice out started coming emotion and I couldn't help it. But when I got done with her, when I got done saying this and I'm in tears, she says, wow, that's a lot to handle. (laughs) You think? And she said, but I understand how you feel because when I was six, my dog died. So I understand loss. Um, she tried to relate to me losing um, <laughs> friends in combat and picking up their body parts and little children getting killed uh, it, to losing her dog as a child. Right. Like, I'm sorry, but when I was a teenager, I helped put my best friend's dog down. You know, I mean, like, really, lady? Um, really far removed from, from what's going from on. From reality. Yeah. And, you know, I, I told, I said some very colorful things to her. And, I mean, quite honestly, I, I, on my way home from work that day, I bought a bottle of alcohol. And that's how I dealt with uh, the nightmares that I would have, is I would have a couple drinks every night. And then I'd go to sleep. You know, wake up the next day and I start all over again and I could not get these images these thoughts um, out of my head and I didn't know what to do with it because she was not going to help me and so what I did was as soon as I could get back to Iraq I went I mm-hmm. took the next deployment I volunteered someone was questioning oh, I'm not sure if I want to go I said fine I'm going and I took a guy's slot and I went um, that was fortunately like my choice it, it never it adversely affected uh, my career or my personal life it helped me sleep but that's not the right method um, you know and I feel bad because you know we still have a lot of Vietnam vets that are dealing with issues yes. and they turn to drugs and alcohol and as time progressed I, I realized like I was turning into my uncle who is one of those or was one of those 
uh, he's since found Jesus and is a much better man in a better place. But the whole point of this is like you can't relate to someone or never try to relate to someone in that situation if you haven't experienced it yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so years down the road, like after Afghanistan, that was a brutal deployment also. And I was wounded really bad and a friend of mine was killed uh, just a couple feet away from me. And I at this point in my career, though, fast forward six years, I was I knew I had been seeking help as needed and um, just a little bit. But I finally found a doc that didn't try to relate to me and he said he wasn't going to. He said, I have some tools I think will work. Mm-hmm. I don't understand what you're dealing with, but I want you to try out these tools and we'll see. And it, the number one tool for me was drawing a circle on a dry erase board, putting a line down the middle. And he said, blame two people for that incident because I was holding on to blame for what happened. I was the UD tech sure. on the ground. I owned the scene. Like that's how I felt. Like someone got hurt. It had to be my fault. Right. Cause I was the team leader. Um, but so I, I blamed two people. Myself was one of those. And then he split that in half. So now there's four quadrants added two more people, put another line, added two more people. Hmm. And at first I got, I was kind of upset over this. I was getting irritated and he said, we need to apply some critical thinking to this. I said, okay. And we got down to where I realized I made it up just a small sliver of what brought us to that moment in time. And therefore, because I was such a small sliver making up this, this pie, um, I couldn't own the blame anymore yeah. and it, it just released so much pressure off of me i was still holding on to emotion from that it was a very emotional incident but it, it helped me with that blame and maybe look at incidents and all the past incidents too from a different perspective i was like wow okay you know i was a small piece of this so that's one of those tools that kind of helped me you yeah know, I've understand never, i've never heard of that technique before but i can see how that kind of like is a self-actualization like there's a lot more going on than just just you as an individual making the right or wrong decision exactly you know and and that's one of the important tools i mean there's many more so i mean we used to have the four pillars and what's it called now i don't know of resilience and and that Mm -hmm. was that's primarily that that mental pillar and through time um like i battled with my spiritual pillar for a long time I grew up uh, in and out of church. Uh, when I was in high school, I rode bulls uh, for Northwest uh, High School Rodeo Association and, and the Pro Association, and I was and I was part of the Christian Cowboys community, right? So I have a background in it. Mm-hmm. But my time in the military, though, through all these, I had pulled away from that uh, because I was angry and I didn't understand, right? When I, when I should have went forward. Uh, with a relationship with Christ, I, I pulled away, and I kind of did that because some of some of my really good friends um, were Christian men, and they were taken, and and they left behind their wives and their children, and these were men that I looked up to, and so I, I didn't understand why. Sure. But years later. Um, I find a good church and an amazing pastor and who's now became one of my best friends and he really helped me understand you know what that pillar means to me and it doesn't the spiritual pillar doesn't have to mean you know that it's you believe in Christ 
ultimately it means that you need to serve something greater than yourself, mm-hmm. right? And for a long time I was serving myself. And that's why I kind of went into a dark place because it was more, yes, it was, I was serving the men with me, but I was very small bubble. Instead of expanding that out and, you know, serving the greater good of the Air Force, serving Christ, whatever it might be, you know. Um, so finding that pillar and strengthening it has really helped me out. And it, it's more importantly, it's helped my social pillar. It's funny how those two tie in together because my spiritual pillar is strong and that's made me help make me the man I am now, which has helped my social pillar by building stronger friendships and truly caring about other people. Mm-hmm. I say that because part of the problem that I used to have also with that social pillar was I would not get close to anybody because in the back of my mind, they were going to die or be taken away from me in some way, shape or form. Right. Right. Um, so I was refusing to make solid relationships. Like for the longest time, the only people that I call like my buddies or my best friends were like a couple guys I grew up with who are still very close and my best friends to this day. But now I've expanded that social circle, you know? Um, so I have guys like you. Um, and then also with that social pillar too, is I realized that, Hey, I got to look out for the men younger than me, mm-hmm. obviously, cause I'm a leader, but what about the men above me? Right, because they're going through a lot of stress. So now, like I've gotten to that point where I can walk into the, my boss's office and feel confident in essentially calling him out and saying, "What's going on? Let's talk," you know. And because you have to care about up, down, and your left and right, you know, your entire circle. Hundred percent. Yeah. And that only got to that point because my spiritual pillar was strengthened also, and and they all kind of tie in. So I want to I want to stop you real quick because anybody who's who's listening to this, especially people maybe on the civilian side who haven't had uh, like resiliency training, can you can you break down the pillars for us and, and talk about each one and, and kind of how they relate? So, so someone listening can kind of get an idea of this kind of tabletop, I um, uh, guess, <laughs> ideology or, or uh, um, analogy is and, and how it relates to, to being able to kind of stay stay stable. Yeah, and, and I'm glad you said that too, because they obviously like resilience plays into. It, it's not just about combat operations. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, here where we're at, local driving Highway 98. I mean, you might. I've seen some very horrific accidents yeah. and dead bodies, and I know other people that saw them also, and they don't know how to deal with that. You know, uh, so yes, this is important for military and civilians. But so the four pillars are mental physical, spiritual, and social, mm-hmm. right? And you want to build up all of them. And I, and I kind of talked about the, mil, the the mental one, right? And so I talked about getting help though, but really it's understanding, um, maybe not expecting, but knowing that, you know, you might see something horrific, right? But how are you going to handle that? Mm-hmm. How are you mentally going to process that, right? Your cognitive reasoning Right. It might not make sense when you first see it, but how are you going to understand that? And then what are you going to do with it afterwards? You know, are you going to hold up or are you going to seek help? Right. Um, The social pillar just talked about that one, you know, up, down, left, right, your family, your friends, your coworkers. It's essentially treat everyone like one big family, you know, take care of everyone. Um, And then your spiritual pillar, you know, serving something greater than yourself. And then the other one I didn't get into yet was the physical pillar. And that one's twofold for me. A, 
some people have a hard time they uh, dealing with anger issues sure. right after a traumatic event and they because they don't know how to process it so a good friend of mine he's uh, he's now a retired Green Beret uh, he used to have what we called was angry workouts right so after you know a tough day and and, and going through uh, some stuff um, he would disappear and it's like hey where's he at oh it's angry workout time and we knew to leave him alone because what he essentially was doing was taking out his frustration and anger with the you know the events of that day he was taking them out on the weights right and therefore he wouldn't turn around and take it out on the men that worked for him uh or you know potentially his family when he returned mm-hmm. because i mean you have got to understand how important it is to take care of yourself so you do not hurt your family when you come back mm-hmm. mentally and physically right um, because I mean, your family's going through so much stuff too, anyway. And, and we can talk about that later with the reintegration. But so angry workouts, right? Take it out on the weights. Sure. And what does that do? It makes you bigger, faster, stronger, essentially, right? If you're doing it right. Yeah. And but it's positive stress, right? Like you're, it, you're stressing your body out, but it helps counteract all that negative stress you've kind of absorbed through the day or through the month or the, through the week, whatever. It does too. I mean, you can release some endorphins in this and that, and it, and it will actually help you sleep, right? And I wasn't doing that. Like when I came back in, in 06 and I was dealing with all my mental issues uh, or that trauma really, uh, I was not working out. I mean, mm-hmm. PT really wasn't a big deal back then. And I see now that if I had dedicated time to the gym, Right, that could have that would have been much healthier than you know hitting a bottle before I went to bed. Yeah, for sure. Right, but the other thing is, um, as we grow, whether we're you know we're aging and, and we're becoming parents and grandparents, right? What what is a parent? The same thing essentially as a supervisor in the military, right? Is you're a leader, right? If you're a husband, right? So you have a wife and kids at home, you are the leader of that family. And I say that, that kind of drive from the spiritual pillar, learning that, uh, like through Proverbs, is, I mean, you are the leader, right? So to lead from the front, whether it's your family or it's, or specifically really for the physical side, your men and women in combat that are there with you, do not be that crusty old individual who can barely meet physical standards, walks around with a cup of coffee and barks orders and says, do as I say, not as I do because that's gonna demoralize everybody. Yeah. And anybody who's been in the military for a number of years knows, can think of someone in their mind that, that represents that model that you just kind of put out. Yes, so earlier today I was speaking to uh, 25 of the brand new airmen to our base, and, and I told them the importance of this. I said, because one day, if you and I are ever together in a horrific situation, you will know that I will be not necessarily shoulder to shoulder, but I will be in front of you leading you into that situation Mm -hmm. because like hell, I'm going to let you do something that I cannot do. I'm not going to tell you to do something that I cannot or am not willing to do myself. And that was where that physical power comes in. Like you said, or, or I said it, I've been blown up a few times with other injuries too. I've uh, broken my back, my neck, I've herniated discs. Uh, I still have frag that leaves my body at various times, years later. Uh, recently, the rock climbing, I broke my leg, tore my LCL. I have so many reasons or, that I could use as excuses right. at this point, you know, 19 years into my career to be like, oh, I'm almost out, I'm gonna let myself go. Why would I do that? I have young men and women that rely on me to lead them still. 
I'm not going to let them down. And that's where that physical pillar really comes into me. It's not necessarily, it's for me, but it's for your generation also. Yeah, man. I, I wish, I wish we had more senior, uh, senior NCOs in, in the military in general that, that, that grasp that concept. Cause I think it would, it would improve. It would like almost eliminate a lot of the, what we consider like toxic type leadership and, the military and, and it's and it's other places too it's in it's in the corporate world right like lead from the front like get 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 your hands dirty mm-hmm. with with the people that you're working with don't just just expect them to perform at all times at all angles and not be able to you know be be right there and, and providing input or feedback or you know all those kind of aspects of it too so 100 yeah. 100 believe in what you say man no and, and i mean on the you know on the personal side like uh with your family you know being the leader you know, if you're gonna be the man of the house, a real man of the house, your your mental pillar needs to be strong, right? You need to not overreact when the kids spill milk on the couch, right? You need to not overreact when, the, you know, your wife goes to the mall and spends half your paycheck, right? <laughs> <laughs> you you need to, you know, you need to be able to see it for what it is and talk through it, right? right. Calmly. Mm-hmm. Socially, you need to make sure that you're not a bubble just stuck in your house. You know, you need to provide for your kids to interact with other kids, right? And build um, those social relationships and learn how to have inter- interpersonal relationships. You know, take your wife out on the town, make some new friends, you know, but that's you leading that, right? You need to be responsible for that, for the care of your family, the social pillar. You know, I believe the man in the house should pray with his wife every night. You know, um, and, and pray with the kids every night, and should be the forefront of of finding those church activities. You know, and, and physically. And I've seen it myself. You, you have men who let themselves go, and then they get angry with their wives when they do the same. It's mm-hmm. like, well, you weren't leading that, buddy. Right. You have no room to talk. All For right. Sure. So instead of complaining to your wife because she wants you to eat a salad, eat the salad. Okay. Yeah. She's she's checking you right now. Yeah. You know, saying, "Hey buddy, you need to get that pillar a little stronger." You right. Know? So, be a leader. And they're, they're they're so interrelated too, right? Like you, you can think about uh I'm going to point out CrossFit because it's a it's one of those things that's and I'm not saying that CrossFit is something everyone should go out and do right now, but one aspect of it that's really cool is that it brings those that physical side and social side together, right? You got people motivating each other, you got people performing to a to a hard, intense physical workout, you know, you motivate each other like, oh, I, I don't really want to work out, but you know, someone's going to be there and they're going to call you out, mm-hmm. you know, they're, next time they see you, like, hey, I didn't see you at, you weren't at the wad this morning, you know, you didn't show up, yeah. that kind of thing. And it, it, it's other, other, other training platforms too. Some, I mean, that was Arnold Schwarzenegger. One of his things back in the day is like having a good, strong training partner was such mm-hmm. a huge part of keeping his motivation level up is because you're, you had a good partner. They were gonna give you. They were gonna give you shit if you didn't weren't performing to the level they knew that you could perform to. You know. Yeah. Um, uh, it was just like you know, you I and Connor. You know, on our deployment, and that yeah. we were always pushing each other. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you guys might not necessarily have felt like you were pushing me sometimes, but the fact that I had to get going to keep <laughs> up or, or to p- surpass you guys. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, that was the motivation in itself because I, I can't let these young guys beat me. Yeah, for sure. For no, sure. No, I, I feel that all the time. And I'm, I, I'm starting to get in that mentality too with the now seeing airmen that are 19, 20, 21 years old coming in. And I'm almost I'm getting close to a decade older than them. I'm like, yep, 
I'm going to show them how it's done. I'm going to be five steps ahead of them, you know. Maybe if they, they get on top of the ball, they're going to – at some point, they're going to get past me. But that's what I want to see, you know what I mean? I want to look at them being a, a a senior airman or a staff sergeant and them just being a monster, you know what I mean? Like, they're they're good at that job knowledge. They're a physical beast and kind of re- replace me as, as being an NCO who's squared away and ready to rock and roll. You well, know? that's your job too, and, and that was another thing I mentioned today in this is – Essentially, your job as as a leader is to be training the guys below you to replace you. Right. Right. And the example I used was when I went down in Afghanistan, my two juniors were both on their first deployment. And I only learned their mentality on this while during our redeployment debriefing for a few days in in Germany and they voiced this but I went down they put me on a helicopter right to go um, to the hospital so now you have two young men on their very first deployment their first real experience dealing with dead bodies because there's a few of them and their team leader went down and they had the responsibility now, as the two EUD techs remaining, to safely finish the scene, because there's another IED there, and a post-blast to be done. In, anyway, they were able to safely get the Special Forces team that came out with us, the conventional team, and our partner Afghan commando team back safely. Mm-hmm. with no further incident and I didn't think about that until they mentioned it and that they they said that they were only able to do that because of what I did for them throughout the six months leading up to that incident and they're like man Sergeant Brinkie taught us everything he was um, he made decisions and he was confident and you know he would let us do stuff that other people wouldn't just so we'd have that experience you mm-hmm. know and you know, that was kind of uh, like a culmination of my career as a leader at that point. You know, I was like, wow, you know, I was able to instill enough into these guys that when they had experienced their worst day, they were able to take over and run with it and not think twice. That's, That's awesome. what you got to do as a leader. Yeah, absolutely, man. And I'm sure that, that instills a real sense of pride in you, too, when you see the, the younger guys behind you pick the, mm-hmm. pick the ball up and run with it really, really well. Very much so. Yeah, man. Um, so I know we talked touched on a little bit on the the aging piece and injuries, and you've got mm-hmm. you've got more than more than enough for four or five airmen. Um, how how do you uh, how do you balance that piece? How do you how do you work your recovery? What are what are some some tricks and tips that you found over the years really help you um, stay? Because you're you're still in, in great shape, man. I would like you're you're in better shape than a lot of our, our young airmen coming in the military now. So, what are what are some things you'd suggest to people who either just want to maintain really well or who are fighting the clock a little bit on as far as injury prevention, recovery, and and, and staying in general good health? Well, the health part came to me for a couple reasons and. One of them being because I want to be an effective leader, right? And be able to lead from the front. So that means I need to hit the gym and I need to run, right? But that doesn't necessarily lengthen your lifespan, mm-hmm. right? Um, my father died a few years ago from cancer. And watching him through this process, um, 
hurt. Yeah. You know, it, it was it was an absolutely horrible experience. I mean, 15 years he fought cancer. And the point behind that is, well, in my, in his dad also, just a few years before him from cancer also. So I kind of have a half a mind to think that it, that doesn't mean that I'm going to end up with cancer, right? But if it comes, I'm going to be ready for it. And I'm going to fight that for as long as I can, right? For my children, my family, my loved ones, and my brothers. Um, so I have completely changed my lifestyle. And the first thing I, I mean, I did, I stopped eating fast food, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, man. Huge and one. Huge change, you know? And, and right now, like, yeah, I still like to drink beer and, you know, or have a glass of whiskey or whatever. Right now, I'm three weeks into absolutely zero alcohol, and I realize now I should have made that decision a long time ago. Because mm -hmm. I feel like I'm 20 years old right now, like just healthy, uh, you know, the blood flows, and you know, I I can run. Um, so really, it's it's a balance of everything. Like when I came out of Afghanistan, I weighed 176 the day I got hit, and due to the injuries, due to dealing with some depression. Um, and just the fact that wow, life is so short. I drank beer and I ate whatever I wanted, mm -hmm. and as much as I wanted. Um, and I blamed it on the injuries. Really, I think I, I was blaming it more on the depression and my thoughts on life at the time because it was a very traumatic event. Um, but I ballooned up to two twenty-five within six months, right? But I would try to work out, but it hurt, mm -hmm. and it, um. It took some time to understand that, like, this is going to be a process, right? So I had to start getting healthier with my eating, right? Start, you know, eating proper proportions, working out at a deep, don't kill myself in the gym, you know, but, you know, run this day, lift weights the next day, et cetera, you know, spread yeah. it out. Consistency with, with the physical training, I, the older I get, I realize is so much more important mm -hmm. than just getting in there and just completely blasting yourself for an hour or yeah. 90 minutes but you know and really i couldn't do it myself though uh i was working for um michael small at the time and i don't know if i ever told him this but that guy motivated me a i mean his social and spiritual pillar like none other is just a phenomenal man and he had his own goals and aspirations physically like he used to be 280 and then he dropped down to like 200 i mean he used to be a big wow. guy lost a lot of weight and now he's doing like ultra marathons or um um triathlons and that mm -hmm. the, the dude's a beast but he, awesome. he grabbed me and maybe he saw it in me that that's where i wanted to go you know but he grabbed me and was like hey let's go for a run today you know and that he's really what helped me with that physical side with staying on top of it like he wouldn't let me have excuses so maybe mm -hmm. if you're struggling you know you need to find that partner that's gonna push you you know yeah, for sure i mean there was days before when we we're deployed when i didn't want to do anything <laughs> and uh you know you and connor were like hey we're doing this today and oh okay <laughs> what you guys didn't see was a, i had to use the handrail to walk up the stairs when we we're done and back down the next morning because my knees yeah. were hurting um, but so really, we, I mean, that we balances. took Connor to the pool and he would drown. So well, that's because yeah, <laughs> just because you got a lot of muscle doesn't mean uh, you got a lot of stamina. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so really, it, it's just finding that balance, and you know, I, I eat as clean as possible. Um, you know, my meats, veggies, um, 
eggs, you know, I mean, I get my proteins, fats, and the carbs I have, I try to make sure they're all natural. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel super healthy from that, you know, and, you know, cutting alcohol out of the diet is, is key, but just that consistency in the gym and finding the balance of what works for you. You mm-hmm. know, you can't get in there and kill yourself in the gym and run too much. I mean, on Tuesday, I, I swam a thousand and then I went straight in and we did the 9-11 Memorial 5K and I was pushing a little too, too hard on that run. I was trying to keep it like a 645 mile pace mm-hmm. and I didn't realize how hot it was and I was already tired from that swim yep. and watching my heart rate, it hit. I was like, wow, I can't breathe right now. What is going on? My heart rate was up to 189. Yeah. I was like, I'm about ready to die. I, I had to stop and walk for a few feet. I'm like, this is not good. You know, I was, the point is I was pushing myself too much. Right, right. You know, I, I could have completed the 5k at, you know, eight minute pace, just fine. But I was, I was pushing myself too hard <laughs> and my body was talking to me. Yeah. You really got to listen to your body. Yeah, for sure, man. Because it's, it's better to, uh, you know, take, take a step back or two and be like, all right, finish it today. Maybe not the intensity you want, but at least I can train tomorrow versus, you know, tearing something, yeah. messing yourself up. And now, well, I can't train for two weeks, yeah. three weeks, a month because I hurt my back or sprain my ankle or et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, that's not healthy. You know, and like uh, my, um, all my back issues that I've had, um, A, like cutting back down, like I weigh 180 right now and I feel super healthy, but to prevent my, the permanent issues I have with my back, I realized that I have to stay like within this weight range because mm-hmm. once I start getting up to 190, I'll start having more issues and that's because I'm being, you know, pulled forward. I'm out of alignment yeah. and it's hurting my back. Um, but at the same time though, I realized that, wow, if you have stuff wrong with your back, you need to make sure your back muscles are super strong, you know? So pull-ups, 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 pull-ups for days is what I do. I mean, it's hard for me to squat a lot of weight. I mean, mm-hmm. I can do, you know, 135, I can do reps all day, but once I start pushing up to 200, it hurts my discs, you know, yeah. in the vertebrae. So it, it, that leads me to another part of that is, and you saw this firsthand, muscle endurance, right? That's what right. I found. You know, remember the day we did the little the bench press deal? Mm-hmm. Were you in there that day yeah. with just the bear bar after yeah. that full workout? Mm-hmm. Hmm. And you two cocky young guys thought you had the old guy and who stopped at 200 reps? <laughs> yeah, me. Um, yeah, so, you know, I mean, I do a lot of pull-ups and a lot of other exercises just to keep those muscles super strong. And I found that they make up for what hurts in my back and it helps prevent that pain. That's, That's awesome. Yeah. You still doing yoga? We were doing some yoga when we were downrange. And uh, I actually, I incorporate yoga uh, into our stretching for, okay. uh, at the culmination of our, our, uh, our boot camp, essentially, right. I run three days a week. Right. So some of the basic poses I put into that, and then once a month now we actually attend a yoga class, and that just it really it's for those guys to learn another technique. But I incorporate the major poses into myself because it helps with my back. Yeah. Have you done hips. Have you done hot yoga before? No, but I heard it's phenomenal. Okay, dude, we gotta talk. So uh, I was gonna do sober October next month. I think I mentioned yes. to you last time I saw you. Uh, so Joe Rogan's got a thing, but I think uh, I'm, the goal I'm gonna try to do is 15. So basically every other day doing yoga for the month of October, and I want to try to get uh, at least five of those uh, hot yoga sessions. Mm-hmm. So if you wanna if you wanna go to the studio that's over there in downtown Fort Walton, man, we, we should go. It, it's it sucks. Hot yoga sucks, but 
it, it, it kicks your butt, but the next, like when you walk out of it, you feel, and the next day you feel amazing. Mm, maybe. All right. We'll, t- we'll talk about it later. We'll talk about it offline. <laughs> <laughs> but trust me, it, it's, it's, it's worth it. It's worth yeah. it. It's good. My, my wife turned me on to it. So it's, uh, it, the first time I did it, it, the first time I did, I didn't, did not hydrate properly. And I, I, I literally <laughs> thought my, sweat. my brain was like a scrambled egg. I thought it would like yeah. completely melted all my neurons. I thought I was going to die. <laughs> So lesson learned from that. So if you're going to go do hot yoga for the first time, I suggest you you hydrate well. Otherwise, you're going to be feeling it. Yeah. But um, for sure, man, that's that's good advice. I appreciate appreciate all that stuff. And I'm sure other people out there listening will too. Um, you, uh, you're, I know you're, you're a warrior monk, man. You're, you're, you're big on your physical side. You're big on, on, on your job and, and crushing stuff. But you're also uh, you're, you're a man of knowledge. And you, you keep yourself uh, constantly pursuing you know, education and, and learning stuff. So what are you, uh, are you reading anything right now? That's really got your, your attention, either fiction or nonfiction. <laughs> well, as a matter of fact, I am reading, uh, I've got two books right now by, uh, Malcolm Gladwell, uh, outliers and yep, the you brought me point. outliers. Yeah. Okay. I brought you the outliers. Uh, I'm also listening to his podcast, but, uh, I'm balancing that right now. I'm working to finish my bachelor's degree. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of priority, uh, for my non-work or parenting time. Uh, so, I don't know. I should be able to finish the first book here in the next week or two. I hope. Cool. But I don't know. It's great. Like uh, you should always be, you know, pursuing other knowledge, you know, and other perspectives. 100%. And I mean, just opening that book and reading the first fifty pages, it's completely expanded uh, my conversation capability. You know, in certain aspects with other people and. What does that help with? Your social pillar, right? Absolutely. And maybe even your mental pillar by, you know, just expanding your knowledge and seeing other things from a different light. It's super important. I'm always, you know, before I picked up these books, I spent a lot of time, uh, interesting enough, like (laughs) we have a horrible balance between our our media sources right now. Oh, man. You can go down the rabbit hole on that one if you want. Yeah, but I would make it a game to myself by finding something on Fox and then finding the same subject on CNN and analyzing the differences you between have to. it. You have and, to. And then finding the, you know, what's in the middle. That's probably right. the accurate. But that was a way for me to just kind of conduct my own research and yeah. stimulate the brain and, and, and see the two completely different perspectives to the same situation. Yep. I do it too, man. Like, uh, so... Growing up, my my dad always had uh, Fox News on. That's just what, he, mm-hmm. and he's he's. I think he's. I don't even know if he's registered as a as a Republican right now, but he's conservative leaning. Um, but I just always find that, you know, if you watch those, you know, whether you're watching the 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 right leaning or the left leaning media, the news, it it's becomes an echo chamber, right? So it's like it's the same people stating the same things all the time who bring on guests who reinforce those same comments or those same concerns over and over again. And so it's, it's an echo chamber and you, you're really never ever contemplating or, or hearing about what the other side of the story may or may not be. Mm-hmm. Um, so you should totally diversify what your, what your source of news that you're getting from, whether, whether you just do some online research yourself or some of the fact check websites, or like you said, just, just getting on the complete opposite side of the spectrum and see how they're spinning the same story. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I think there's too many people out there that just, they, they, because they are typically more on the left or right side of the aisle, yeah. they, they choose that media outlet. And like I said, it's an echo chamber and all they're doing is listening to the same spiel over and over and over again. And it's, you're never really, 
you're never going to open your mind to other other possibilities or other you know i don't want to say other truths but other other side of the story because there's two sides of every story right there's there's each person's opinion and then there's the truth of what happens so sometimes you got to determine that yourself very true and i mean that kind of plays into this too with being the warrior monk right is like i had such a perspective of life in iraq and afghanistan before i went there and i never took the time to conduct any further research you know on myself and it's one thing to read something another thing to experience it but um or even like our trip to africa but you get over there and you find opportunities to integrate with the culture Mm -hmm. and then you learn and you're like oh my goodness like i one of the reasons i missed deploying over there is because i missed the culture right right you have people that have absolutely nothing and they'll still give you the shirt off their back you mm-hmm. have kids that are happy with a handful of nuts yeah. and a tomato, yep. and that's their food for the day. Yeah. Run around with no shoes and and their torn up clothes, and you know. But what we always see on the news is how these places are just absolutely horrible, and we can't trust any of them. And you know, everyone with brown skin is a damn terrorist. Bullcrap. They are absolutely amazing people. It's just a few are ruining it for everybody. Right. You know. Right. It, it, we run into the same stuff here in the states, but oh yeah, I mean, that's that's the one thing about about going overseas, certain places, and, and coming back. And I know a lot of people in the civilian world they don't have the opportunity to do it because they don't have the money to travel or they're too involved with with work and and what's going on here. But I mean, people people constantly think that like this this country is like messed up and it's gone gone down the drain and it's not coming back. But when you when you go to some of these places and you come back, you really do realize how good we have it in this country. Yeah. Oh, very much so. Way too good sometimes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Undeservingly yeah. good. Yeah. So not yeah, that we, I mean, now we don't have our issues. You know. Yeah. We're not perfect. We're working on a lot of stuff, but we're doing a lot better than a lot most of the other places in the world. Yeah. You know, circling back to books, though. I mean, reading reading is one thing, but writing is another. And mm-hmm. I've found that um, something that kind of helps. It's funny how it it does help my mental health, but as um, is writing you know and like i have a notebook and and sometimes i'll I'll write in it and it you don't necessarily have to write about like you know what you experience you know but i found like that little black book right there is full of poetry Mm -hmm. you know i I found something that i enjoy uh writing about right and so i will spend time writing and you know and then i'll go back through and i'll edit it or, or whatever else but it's just it's an outlet, a healthy outlet. Yeah, know? for sure, man. I mean, that um, kind of runs into like that that mental pillar. I mean, I guess it can it can run into a couple of them, but like like you said, just having that outlet of something that's creative, mm-hmm. that's kind of outside of the realm. It almost like works a different part of the brain that we don't normally work, you know, in our or in our normal nine to five. Yeah, I didn't of, know I had that part of my brain. Really. I mean, a lot of us don't because <laughs> we don't we don't try to exercise it. You know what I mean? And it's yeah. not it's not like something we get reinforced in the military is that sometimes is that creative side is you know sometimes it's like these are the rules these are the, this is the afi this is the whatever mm-hmm. and this is what we do and you know get it done and most times we're good with that but sometimes you do you gotta you gotta let that that creativity yeah. side free a little bit and it kind of helps the brain sometimes to help the decision making process and think outside the box yep. a little bit better mm-hmm. amen for sure that make that for me that's the, the music thing you know playing guitar and, and doing some songwriting and stuff like that that's that's years now it's been kind of my outlet yeah. and, no, I'm and still waiting for you to serenade me again yeah I miss you singing we'll, in the house we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> like everybody does yeah yeah no, that was that was fun on deployment
Cool, man. Well, anything else you want to you wanna talk to or talk about? Topics you want to bring up? Mm, no, I mean, what I mean if, what we if can talk are, for hours about this stuff. And, I mean, in, in, you know, in, to, I mean, I, I guess story time for some of the experiences would probably be best for a a different time. Yeah, maybe maybe we can uh, we can have you on a, another time when when we see down down the road where the the Warrior Monk podcast goes. Um, what about for anybody out there that um, that's wanting to uh, kind of give back to the community, whether it's EOD or uh, you know wounded warriors or anything like that? If somebody wants to, to reach out and help help guys get back on their feet or, or help guys that are that are in need. From uh from these communities, where can they go? Who should they talk to? Well, specifically, I mean, you can look them up online. You got the UD Warrior Foundation. You got the Special Ops Warrior Foundation, and the Special Ops Wounded Warrior Foundation is phenomenal in itself because it it touches the entire Special Ops community across the branches. It's not mm-hmm. just Air Force or Army or Marines or Navy. It's everyone within the Special Ops community, and then the UD Foundation is the same thing with that because UD is the only career field that we all go to the same technical school and we all wear the same badge right Right. so that encompasses Army Navy Air Force Marines Um, and it's a lot of help uh, for the families they they sponsor families to come to the events and come to the memorial and and put together all these different functions for them you know we, we hold a huge auction every year in conjunction with the memorial on National UD Day that is a holiday um, first weekend of May. Uh, nice plug. But yeah, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I tell everyone that I know if you're gonna donate to something, donate to those because that money is truly being used for your warriors that are going out and fighting the fight and coming back and then still possibly fighting that battle depending right. on what happened. Um, and like I, I've had a few friends who've who've passed and. Uh, you know that money went to their children's college education like their mm-hmm. children will go to college paid for through the special ops war uh, awesome. foundation and that's a that's such a huge um burden off of uh off the families you know that are that are left behind because you know not not it's not the case in, for everyone in the military but for a, a lot of the, the married folks you know m- mom's busy mm-hmm. trying to trying to keep the household put together um, sometimes works and sometimes not. And when that tragedy happens and you know, that, that, that guy's gone, it's, it's a very small piece of the puzzle, but it's at least something that, you know, the community can do to help. Hey, this is one Correct. thing we can, a bur- one burden we can help take off your shoulders. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of burdens there for our widows, unfortunately. Yeah. You know, the for sure. VA system doesn't help out too well either. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping that, improves in the next year coming years but we'll see yeah. we'll see i know they've got plenty of kinks to work out but yep. yeah i hear it all the time my uh father-in-law's uh uh retired from the uh the coast guard and uh <laughs> that's his his primary go-to is the va and he's just i just a funny hearing him tell stories but i feel like a lot of the older guys that go to the va mm-hmm. half of it is just to hang out with va buddies yeah <laughs> right yeah <laughs> so some of that some of those telling war stories type thing. I'm sure we'll be there one day. Yeah. I'll, be, I'll be calling you up. Oh, you going? You going to the VA this weekend? Yeah, let's catch up. <laughs> <laughs> my 
My, my uncle's got a group like that. It's called Point Man Ministries, uh-huh. and uh, they they actually they flew me back uh, two years ago to be uh, their guest speaker for their Veterans Day banquet, uh-huh. and uh, so that was really special. But it's it's just a bunch of old vets who just get together, and I mean it's biblical. I mean it is a ministry, you know, yeah. and uh, so they'll share the word together and that. But it's a big story time, you know. And, which is good for them though you know it's healthy and for it's sure. just to have that, sure. that social bond and you know an outlet of someone yeah. that understands you yeah. yep. it's good man it's awesome well hey brother it's been awesome talking to you thanks so much for doing this um, we, we talked about some awesome stuff in resiliency talking about the four pillars your social mental your physical your spirituality um, some of your, your lessons learned um, some great some great input you've given us on our, on, on leadership and, and being actively involved with the, the young young guys and gals coming up and um, Look forward to talking to you in the future and for doing this thing. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So there it is, ladies and gentlemen. Bo Bricky. Again, thank you so much, Bo, for coming on the podcast and letting us have the interview, giving us a little bit of your real perspective and a little bit of uh, lessons from your experience. Awesome guy. I'm sure many of you out there from the veteran community or active duty know you. You've made some awesome friends, whether it's in training or deployed downrange or stationed in certain places. And it's uh, super important for us to, to, to stay followed up with, with those people that we've met and um, build those relationships. It's, it's easier now more than ever to do it, whether it's through social media or cell phone use, FaceTime, etc., etc. Uh, don't let those relationships go, go out the window. Pursue them. Make sure you're staying in touch with those people that uh, have helped mold the character that you are it's really important uh, just like Bo said in the interview if you're looking to give back to the soft community to the EOD community you want to make a donation to those communities whether it's to our wounded warriors or to their surviving family members uh, please go out there and, and take a look on Instagram both the Special Operations Warrior Foundation are out there on Instagram at Sierra Oscar Whiskey Foxtrot S-O-W-F as well as the EOD Foundation at the EOD Warrior Foundation on their page on Instagram as well. Reach out to those folks. Tell them you wanna you wanna do a contribution. Tell them you wanna you wanna give back in some sort of way, and they will make sure the money's going to the right place. Uh, there's some there's some other places out there, other other folks out there that are nonprofits that uh, you know in the past there's been questionable use of, of some of the, the funds that they collect. Uh, to get back to our veterans and these folks, these folks at the, the Special Operation Word Foundation and the EOD Word Foundation, they're making sure, making sure they're doing it right. And it's going to the right people. So please, feel so inclined, uh, reach out to them and, and give back. To so we've got some serious folks out there that have that have sacrificed a lot, and uh, they can use they can use help for sure. Also, go ahead and uh, look up the. Warrior Monk Podcast on Instagram while you're over there too. Give us a follow, give us a comment, send us a message, let us know you know have know someone you think would be good for the podcast, or you have a story you want to share from either your time in the military or your uh, switched over from civilian to uh, from the military to the civilian world, and, and you want to talk about your experience either getting back into education or on entrepreneurship. Um, as well as even if you're not a military individual, if you're just out there uh, and you're you're fighting for a cause, you may not be a little warrior on the battlefield, but you're 
you're fighting for a cause and you want to get that message out, please reach out to us. We want to hear from you and we want to, we want to release more content. So we're looking for folks to talk to. Uh, hit us up. Hit me up. We'll have a good conversation and, and, and put your message out there. So uh, like I said, uh, appreciate you guys listening. Appreciate you guys getting us to follow. And we'll talk to you soon. This is Lance signing out.